Hello, this is Peter Davison, and you're listening to Discussing Who. Welcome back, everyone. This is Discussing Who. I am Kyle Jones, and on this episode, we will be discussing, reviewing, and talking all about the Fifth Doctor's last story, The Caves of Androzani. And who oh, spoiled. Yeah. Hey, spoil. Do you, are you wanting me to go ahead and say the spoiler warning? Is that what you're doing, Lee Shackleford? Just saying, don't call it the Fifth Doctor's last adventure before you've said spoiler. <laughs> oh, well, that's true. <laughs> so I guess just for the heck of it, I might want to say, if you have not seen Caves of Androzani, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, because even before we do introductions, from this moment forward, spoilers. 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 Alrighty, the spoiler warning has gone out, and that means it's time for me to say welcome back, Lee Shackelford. Hi, guys. Great to be back with you again. It's a it's a depressing time in uh, in the world right now, and I have been so looking forward to talking with the two of you. As I knew it was going to be the bright spot of this day, at least. So. I mean, I know it's, you know, the last appearance of the Fifth Doctor, but it's still the (laughs) same character, dude. Come on. Yeah, exactly. But seriously, all jokes aside, we, we, me and me, you know, I was very glad to have you back because I have also been needing this conversation. And this conversation, the trinity of us would not be complete without Clarence Brown. Clarence, my friend, how are you? I'm good, man. But you know, cows is one of the many, many, many regenerations. Uh, you should lose count on that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but, but it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right, man. Yeah. With that yes. crazy lady murdering the doctor over and over and over and over again. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, you know, because I love horrible, horrible puns, I, I just want to say the Ruth is out there. <laughs> the Ruth is out there. That's, that's a t-shirt, dude. Jump on it. Yeah. There you go. Dude. So I don't really have anything but one thing in the news. And the one thing that is in the news, actually, I have two. One thing that I have in the news is from Meepy and giving us a big shout out, wanting to say how much that shout out that we gave really, really meant a lot. And so, again, Meepy, thank you so much for listening. Yay. Awesome. So my second piece of news, gentlemen, and Lee Shackelford, I'm going to throw this one at you because Mm. you kind of surprised us last week with a mini script for something called uh, an episode of Listen, Rants, Repeat. So you want to tell everybody about that? It's uh, it's been a great week for for short little scripts, and I, I that will lead me to to talking about something else. It's even more Doctor Who related, but yeah, the the pod the silly podcast Listen, Rants, Repeat. Uh, you can find out more about at Listen, Rants, Repeat Podcast dot com. How's that for a, a URL? Yeah, it's the whole idea is it's something to listen to while you're washing your hands for the uh, uh, doctor recommended 20 seconds. So they're about 20 seconds long. So I wrote a script for the three of us, and uh, that one has has gone up today, gone up to the servers. So look for an episode called Survival, starring the three of us, in which you'll learn, among other things, that Clarence says he can't do a British accent, but he can. <laughs> Somehow, some way, <laughs> 
it gets pretty good. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> so anyway. So the other thing about, about short scripts, though, is that one of the things that has been sustaining me this this week, I have watched it over and over and over again, is this little thing that uh, Jodie Whittaker did in costume and apparently in her closet. And she just jumped in there with a the cell phone. But And I don't know who wrote it. I have wondered if she did. But in any case, it's it's been cleared and franchised by the BBC. But it is just her as the doctor looking right at us and saying, basically, hang in there. And maybe we can even drop the audio of it uh, in here right now. But in any case, uh, I encourage everybody to track it down. It is, um, I think it is a wonderful, wonderful little piece of really good advice, including listen to doctors. So since you said that, Mr. Shackelford, and Mm. due to the power of Time Lord technology and Mm -hmm. all of that audio, why don't we listen to that right now? Oh, hi. This is an emergency transmission. If you're seeing this, the TARDIS must have detected an upsurge in psychological signals from somewhere in space and time. Basically, I think somebody somewhere might be a little bit worried. I'm actually just self-isolating, or as I like to call it... Hiding from an army of Sontarans, but keep that to yourself. Now, here's what I do in any worrying situation. One, remember, you will get through this and things will be all right. Even if they look uncertain, even if you're worried, darkness never prevails. Two, tell jokes, even bad ones, especially bad ones. I am brilliant at bad ones. Three, be kind even kinder than you were yesterday. And I know you were super kind yesterday. Look out for each other. You won't be the only one worried. Talking will help. Sharing will help. Look out for your friends, your neighbours, people you hardly know, and family. Because in the end, we're all family. Four, listen to science and listen to doctors. Right? They've got your back. Five, stay strong. Stay positive. You've got this. And I will see you very soon. Here it is. You know, I want to believe that she ad-libbed that. Even if somebody else wrote it, I want to believe that. If she's got a little, all she needs is a little outline. Yeah, no, I, I was just uh, speaking earlier about our friend Nicole. Nicole said, you know, I don't want to sound catty, but that's the best writing anybody's done for that for, for Jody this oh. year. And I said, no, you know what? I agree with you. And if it turns out that she wrote that, then I want to start campaigning for her as showrunner. Uh, hello. Well, because I, because she really understands this character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I think you could feel the passion behind what she was saying. She was serious yeah. about what she was saying. And I think that's yeah. what I felt most about it. Well, several people have said that they cried when they when they watched that the first time. And I I think that I think that's it, Clarence. I think they're really getting we really wanted somebody that we respect to look us in the eye and say all these things yeah. with that kind of conviction behind us. Yeah. So thank you, Jody, or, uh, and whoever else is responsible for this. But it really has been a gift, I think, a gift to the, the Whovian world and beyond. Yeah. So. so speaking of a gift to the Whovian world and beyond, mm-hmm. I want to give a big happy week, happy birthday, happy belated birthday by the time this goes out. And since you mentioned this person before, oh. it is to Nicole. Hey, Nicole Mazza of the Terminus Doctor Who podcast, correct? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. So happy birthday, happy belated, and many, 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 many more regenerations. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. So do either of you have any other items for the news before we move on? No, 
No, let's let's get into the let's let's change the subject from all the things that are bringing us down and let's get into this story where our heroes are dying and they're we're looking for a cure. Awesome. Yeah. awesome. Let's uh, change the subject too. All right. So since we're changing the <laughs> subject, I would have <laughs> probably have said at this time, if you had not have already heard it mm-hmm. earlier, I would have mm-hmm. probably at this moment said that if you have not seen this episode, I would have told you to go out and watch this episode and probably put us on pause and then most likely come back because probably from this moment forward, I would have said spoilers. Spoilers. Affirmative. Spoilers. Spoilers. Affirmative. Spoilers. Yeah, but you're not going to say that. So. Yes, I am. <laughs> you just did. Yes, I did. And I'm going to leave that in there just for the heck of it, because I did spoiler warning twice. So that means that The Caves of Androzani was the sixth story of season 21 of Doctor Who, and it aired between the 8th and the 16th of March, 1984. It is the last regular appearance of Peter Davison as the fifth Doctor, and it introduces Colin Baker as the sixth. So summary view, and Clarence Brown, I'll start with you. What did you think of this story? Hmm. I think, like we always say with these uh, stories that are so many episodes, it can drag on. Though I have to say, I really didn't feel that that much with this one. Uh, the first episode was kind of the one I would throw away, and all the rest of them I felt were like pretty, pretty intense, pretty good. I enjoyed all of the performances. I thought the story was much more intricate than on the face of it than than it seems. So I, I really appreciate the story having a, a little depth to it, and it kind of. Um, and the way they wrote out these the, the plot and the characters, I felt like it was a good pace to digest all of that stuff. So I very much enjoyed this episode. I very much did. So I can't hear you guys' thoughts on it. All right, Lee. Yay. Yay. I'm so glad <laughs> you, you enjoyed this. Because I've seen it about 11 million times, and I I think I feel differently about it every time. But uh, what? Because this is written by Robert Holmes, who you know is is arguably the – the um, I don't know. He's not he's not the great Doctor Who writer, but he's 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 certainly the one who uh, has written so much from the classic era that we remember and talk about, uh, including Brain of Morbius and Talents of Wing Chiang. But what struck me this time was that uh, it, that first episode, I, I find it kind of puzzling because I don't know who all these characters are. And we're, we're sort of dropped into the story very quickly and we're, yeah. we're left to sort of try to, uh, connect the dots. And I could find that for a lot of people that would just be off-putting. They would just say, I don't really feel the need to be invested in this. So, you know, switch it off. But once you do find out who all these people are and what's going on with them, then it all gets very interesting. I do know that the, that the filming was broken up by a strike. And so they, they, we, they lost some scenes that were scripted. Some things never got finished. And so they had to kind of patch things together. So that may contribute to part of what's, uh, what's puzzling about that first episode. But, but boy, you're right. There's a lot going on in these four episodes. And, uh, once you figure out who's who, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. it, it barrels forward. Yeah. So, uh, what do you, what do you, what's your, Quick take on it, Kyle. What? So I'm going to agree, as usual, and on par with what we've done in the past. I'm going to agree with both of you and take 
bits of what both of you said. I agree that part one was the only one where I felt this is going to kind of drag on a little bit because Mm -hmm. I just it just seemed to have a slow start to it. But what really stood out to me, and I think it is circumstantial, obviously, because we did not in any way intend this is the week that we're going to review Cave Savandrazani. We decided yeah. after recording our last episode of what we were going to review next. So this wasn't planned. But what really stood out to me at the beginning of this story was they had this something that there was no cure for and Mm. it was this fight for a cure and with everything that was going on right now in reality it was like wow okay but i really enjoyed this episode bottom line i had fun and enjoyed it so i want to ask you guys i want to kind of keep going a little bit about the plant and the item that they came in contact with and they Mm -hmm. get this mysterious illness and lee i I think i need to point this a little bit more to you because you're so invested in the classic era do you recall many instances where the doctor and or the companion has been afflicted by something that is just not something done to them but just the nature of where they're visiting Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It seems like it happened to Sarah Jane about uh, every third episode. Really? Um, well, she she, she did uh, get um, uh, Eldrad almost got turned to stone as a result. Ah, and, yes. Um, yes. And uh, I'm trying to think of uh, uh, are, are there others beside that? But, yeah, a lot of that is sort of the, the quest to try to get, get a, a cure for Sarah. So that's the one that jumps to my mind. I'm sure there are other examples, but um, nothing nothing leaps to mind right now. But one of the things I love about this, and it's just a language thing, but, you know, bless Robert Holmes for this, but I just love the sound of spectrox toxemia. You know, it's just got those sounds in it that make it sound like um, something terrible. You really, (laughs) you don't want spectrox toxemia. Yeah, it's it's intense, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yeah, I think if I was went to the doctor's office and he said, you've got spectrox toxemia, I go, ooh. Ooh. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, How long do I have? Yeah. (laughs) So, um, so, So cheers for that. What did you think of the fact that immediately when they get there, it's like they are sickened by something? Because they even go so far, and I thought the description was good, that saying it feels like it's stinging. Yeah, Yeah, that – so they first get there, and it really – what threw me off is immediately Perry says, Oh, this is a place is beautiful. I'm like, what? This place is beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a desolate <laughs> Or in another rock quarry as we yeah. so often were in the classic era. So, no, so, she should have said, This is looks beautiful, it says here in the script. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I I do like the race against time that you know uh, that them contracting this disease or fungus or whatever you want to call it uh presented because i thought it made you know it made everything it gave everything a bit of urgency and i really love that i thought it made everything else in the episode exciting just a little bit more exciting agreed agreed yeah yeah the, the clock is ticking from that point on and and, and we can and we and the script keeps reminding us you know they're, yeah. they're not getting any better so yeah, the and the way they laid out the different stages, you know, you get a rash and you know your legs go and all this other stuff. Right, <laughs> that was a great way of laying out the different stages of of how this disease is progressing. 
So what I found really interesting in, in that aspect was, you know, back, I, I want to, well, actually, I want to mention something about the name. Whenever you said the, the, uh, say that again, how do you, you, you had so much fun saying it, Lee? Spectroxtoxemia. Thank you. So yeah. what stood out when you were saying that a minute ago was Stan Lee always said that it, if you had words like fing, bang, foam, and drum, right. you know, those, that's those right. big, big names that that's something it sticks in the back of your head. Yeah. So yeah. speaking of sticking in the back of your head, I found it <laughs> interesting how you had the character of Trow Morgus. Or well, let's just call him Morgus for mm-hmm. lack of because that was his name. When he would turn to the <laughs> screen and break the fourth wall, yes. was he talking to us? I, yes. I didn't know. Yes, he was. Yeah, what? it is. It is unfortunately one of the things about this episode that stands out is Morgus talking to the camera. And there are a couple of episodes where the doctor does it, and that's that's different. It's his show, damn it. <laughs> yeah. But but so the story is, what I've read is that this was the floor director and John Normington, who's playing Morgus, misunderstanding something that was in the script. Hmm. And that was not how that was supposed to be done. But once they'd done it, you know, everyone sort of looked at the cut and said, I like it. Which on a show like this usually means we don't have time to do it over. <laughs> so you say, I like it because, you know, <laughs> you don't really have a lot of choice. So my question is, so, did y'all like it? Did you guys no, like I, it? No, I hate, I hate that. It just, it just makes me nuts every time I see it. <laughs> yeah. I, I just found myself trying to look and see, was it someone sitting behind them? Cause I really couldn't tell. I'm like, is he talking to us? It, it, it feels like it, but you know, wasn't quite sure. Yeah, in an episode like this, it would be perfectly credible that then finally we're going to pull out that shot a little bit of his office and we're going to see there's one of the androids standing behind him, you know, or something like that, you know. But no, it's a mistake. And it's just. (laughs) Oh, but see, I'm going to break ranks and say I totally Uh, loved it. uh, I did. I I saw him as like this egomaniac and he was so into himself and so into being over this conglomerate i really saw him as like i'm just going to like talk to myself and turn and (laughs) say give myself a commentary from i i just thought it worked for the character well and if it was a different kind of character it would be worse than it is so i think i think you're right in that way and 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 i've heard it described as the shakespearean aside and and that supports your point too that the the great villains of of Shakespeare especially Richard the 3rd he's always talking to the audience and he basically he'll say okay watch how i'm going to mess with these people and then he'll do it <laughs> and then he'll come back to the audience and go was that great did you see what i got away with there you know so that's what morgus is doing interesting <laughs> it's uh, I, I don't know so i want to ask let's switch to the other bad guy quote unquote sharez jack um, another another wonderful mouthful. Isn't that great Sharaz Jack. He's not going to be the good guy. So my Sharaz. question is: Was he bad or good? What would y'all say? Well, mm. I was. I, I have a friend to whom I loaned my DVD of uh, Caves of Androzani, and in the process this week of asking him if he would please give it back to me, he was saying, "Oh, which one is that? Oh yeah, it's the one that's Dune meets Phantom of the Opera." <laughs> and I said. Oh, that's good. Yeah. The planet where there's something in the ground that everybody has got to have if they're going to keep on living. Okay, you're right. It's Dune. Yeah. And it's Phantom of the Opera. It really is. 
yeah, Sharon is, 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 a, is a horrible person, and he, and he kills, and he thinks of nobody but himself. But he's also clearly broken. That when, when his face was destroyed, it's obvious his mind went to, and he just... So can we hold him accountable for that? I, mm. I mean, the real telling point is when he, he, he kind of gets up in Perry's face, as he does, and he says, you think I'm mad, don't you? And she says, no. And he says, well, I am mad. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I, I won't argue with you. <laughs> uh, I think they did a wonderful job of uh, subverting expectations because initially you think, oh, this masked phantom guy <laughs> is definitely going to be the villain of this arc. But, you know, they throw another layer on that. And, and you can think of if you want to talk about corporate greed or whatever uh, thing you want to throw on top of this, it is definitely Morgus as well as a bad guy. So is this guy that's been wronged and, you know, really put in a bad place? Is he really a bad guy because of what he's doing? Yes, because he's doing bad stuff. But still, we can kind of understand what brought him here. I I like the fact that they added that complexity to his character because Sans Daddy just feels pretty generic. But that added layer of, of being wronged and almost killed and, and having to survive and he's kind of taking control of these androids. And yeah, I, I liked all that complexity on top of his character. So that, that made me like him in spite of being a horrible being, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It doesn't excuse him, but it, it at least helps us understand it. Yeah. Agreed. So I'm going to take it one step further. You know, we were saying Dune. I will agree with that. We were saying Phantom of the Opera. I will agree with that. And even though it is ahead of its time for the movies, it's not ahead of the time for the books. I would say that the Lord of the Rings, because he treated Perry like it's my precious. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. <laughs> but, but that's a but that's a big part of Phantom of the Opera too, of course. But yeah, true, absolutely. But yeah, she was she was the thing worth having. Although comes a moment where he completely forgets about her when he's got his hands on on uh, Morgus, and yeah. that's suddenly that's the precious. <laughs> wait, wait, wait till I twist this guy's head off, and then I'll get back to everything else. But there is a story that John Nathan Turner offered this role to Tim Curry and to Mick Jagger and to David Bowie. Interesting. And it's it's possible that two thirds of that is apocryphal, but but J and T would tell the story later on about how he was talking to David Bowie's people, and the only thing that got in the way of David Bowie playing that role was that um, was a, a, a they couldn't fit it into his schedule. <laughs> now, now, see, I had heard the, the David Bowie part and the scheduling, so that yeah. that that's a little credence there because I had heard that too. Just amazing, yeah. So I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that's. Wouldn't that have been interesting? Wouldn't that have, he would have been great, but uh, but I think Christopher Gable is pretty pretty fantastic here too. So and Robert Glenister here is the uh, is Salatine and his android duplicate. And uh, speaking of Nicole, um, I think Nicole pointed this out before. We'll see Robert Glenister again on Doctor Who forty years later yes. as Thomas Edison in Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror. Interesting. That's him. <laughs> wow. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> that is pretty freaking See, cool. See, now yeah. I knew I had heard that name recently, and now I want to go back and watch it again and then go watch Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror again. Right. Yeah. Oh, that is too huh. cool. Yeah, he looks completely different now. While, as we were talking last week, Nicola Bryant looks the same. Yeah. Yes, he was. <laughs> 
let me ask you guys a question. Had we ever heard of the reason why the doctor wears a vegetable before <laughs> this story? One of my notes here says the question of the celery stalk is at last addressed and not a moment too soon. Yes. Somebody help me out here. I did not catch this. From the very beginning, uh, as the fifth doctor, the first time he puts his ensemble together, he has a stalk of celery on his lapel where others might have a uh, a carnation or something. <laughs> He's, that's always been part of the, the costume is the celery stalk. And nobody has ever, in the course of, this, of, of the fifth doctor's time, commented on it in any way. <laughs> and finally, <laughs> Harry says, so let me ask you. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yes. So, and, and then he actually gives it to her at the end, and it doesn't doesn't help. It doesn't help. It doesn't change color. It doesn't change color or do anything. But. So I, I'm going to mess with your continuity, but I'm going to say oh. that it is okay because just like you didn't remember this, the doctor himself doesn't remember this, but someone actually did call him out about the celery. Well, the 10th doctor did. Very good. You redeemed yourself. The, there you go. God, yes. Look at me. I'm wearing a vegetable. <laughs> I want to talk for a minute about the last episode. And the reason I want to talk about the last episode, I found it profound that we spend, for the most part, an entire episode with the doctor returning and trying for no other purpose but to find Perry, find his companion, and save the companion. And I just found that was very beautiful, as in storytelling goes, that, you know, he could have easily have gone back to the TARDIS and left her and, and you know, had no qualms and be fine, etc. But he put himself in great peril for the entire episode to rescue her. What did you guys think of that? And Clarence, won't you go first? I mean, it definitely felt very heroic and um, shows just how much he loves this companion. Um, and honestly, I can see any doctor doing the same thing, but it definitely was about his struggle to get that cure for her. And I, I loved all that. It's funny you should mention the TARDIS, though, <laughs> because as he crashed or as they landed back on the planet, I figured he would go straight to his TARDIS. But that kind of would have broke the story if you think about it. Because he could have avoided a lot of stuff by going to his TARDIS and then using that to go into the cave and get the the bat milk. <laughs> mm -hmm. but, but yeah, I was, I was kind of surprised he didn't go. But still, I like I love how it played out. And yeah, ultimately, just this whole episode is his struggle to get to this point to save to save his companion. And then he carries her back. So, I mean, yeah, all of that was great. All of yeah. that was great. All right. Lee, what say you? When when I think of Caves of Androzani, what you what you just said is that's what I think of. I think of the Doctor burrowing his way down into Androzani Minor to to get to milk a bat, and then crawling <laughs> all the way back out, and then going overground as the planet is blowing up. I may say, carrying the unconscious Perry, and then and then the part that 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 always brings a tear to my eye. And if you blink, you'll miss it. But he stumbles at the door. He kind of parks her at the door and you know has to get his key. And he's got two vials of the milk and he drops one of them. <gasps> I, in did the sand. I did not get that either. Oh, my he's, God. He's got enough for both of them until that moment. Oh, now you're making me sad, dude. <laughs> and wow. he brings them in and now he's only got one and he gives it to her. Wow. Oh, oh that's even better. Isn't it? 
Because, I mean, how disappointed would we be if he didn't? <laughs> but the, the question that I've been asking, you know, listeners of the show, you know, tell us what, what it is about the doctor that's important to you. And, and this is one of the things I think of. That's who the doctor is. And, and because we keep making jokes about how, how this, uh, this episode is, is eerily touches on what's really going on in the world as we record this, I got to say, a lot of my friends are making masks, you know? Because uh, uh, um, a lot of people need them and hospitals are terribly uh, uh, understocked with them. And the CDC has to keep, sort of keep explaining to people, you're not going out on the street wearing a mask so you don't get it. The fact is, you may have it and not know it. And if so, you could give it to somebody else. Right. You're, not, you're not doing this for you. You're doing this for them, for everybody else. And so, and if, if people are hip to that, now when I see somebody wearing a mask, it just makes me want to give them thumbs up and say, good for you. Because it's yeah. completely the reverse of the perception there. That's right. It looks like people wear, the, and I guess, you know, maybe most people still think that. But, uh, but as far as we know, uh, the, the novel coronavirus isn't airborne. It can only be sent through the air if somebody sneezes or coughs in your direction. But if you're wearing a mask, it will catch your sneeze. So it's you protecting everybody else. That's what the mask is for. <laughs> so anyway, but it's the same spirit. And here is the doctor and he has, he has the bat milk. And so he gives it to Perry. It's, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I always love that Peter Davison has the, the sense of humor to joke about this because uh, the way they play this final scene, of course, is that Nicola Bryant picks him up and cradles him. So for a minute, they look like uh, the Pieta, you know, they look like Mary and Jesus. But uh, Davidson is aware of Nicola Bryant's uh, uh, beautiful <laughs> cleavage. So he always says, and there I am acting my heart out. And is anyone looking at me? No. <laughs> but, <laughs> hey, I'm, down, I'm dying down here. Let's transition to that particular <laughs> point because we're, we're about to see a regeneration here at this point. So Clarence, having seeing these other regenerations where it's all about the spectacle and the explosions and the tearing up the TARDISes and et cetera and so forth. What did you think of this particular regeneration? Man, I'm still trying to recover from him dropping a vial that I didn't notice. <laughs> it's, it's not. It is, it is a failure of the way that scene is shot because you really have to look closely to see it. And it's, it's, it's too bad because it's really important. It is. I mean, obviously, uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. And I will tell you, that is so profound that as many times as I've seen this episode, and I'll admit it is not as many as, you know, New Who episodes that I've obsessed yeah. over. But that said, this is one of the first things that I ever bought back whenever I had my first iPod was, I think, this and the Sunmakers and the mm. Two Doctors were the first three things that I was able to purchase on my, you know, old school iPod. <laughs> that said, I've never noticed that. And all this, all these years, I've never, ever noticed that. Well, I could also be wrong, let us not forget. So uh, an excuse to go back and watch the end of that yeah. episode again. But you know what? I like it better that way. Yeah, Even if you I, are wrong, I'm choosing to, to, to right, see that. It's stronger that way, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But, but on the uh, actual regeneration I found it very interesting. Now, for me, it's not going to be as impactful because I think the only character I noticed out of all of those was the master. And I think I heard him say Ad Adric. 
uh, was actually said in the little mm-hmm. mono, uh, thing there. That's so, the last uh, word. Yeah, so I, I didn't know any of those people, so it really didn't um, really didn't impact me. Much right. at all. But I'm sure it did for you guys, so maybe you can explain a little bit. Okay, Lee. Um, it is interesting to see it uh, now, sort of in, in hindsight, when we're expecting fire and explosions. Uh, but I guess because I'm old school, I've I've always thought that there's too much flashbang power now about the the regeneration. So I, it, they've gotten bigger every time. So after a while, you start wondering what in the world where you know yeah. where, where's the end point of this going to be? It, maybe that's why uh, the TARDIS uh, shook the Thirteenth Doctor out. It's like you know what? <laughs> enough of this already. Uh, enough of this. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to let you burn me up. Uh, I don't know. So I guess I do. It, it makes more sense, uh, sort of science fictionally, that there would have to be this, um, you know, this uh, extraordinary release of energy for somebody's whole physiology to be changed that way. But then, you know, we've also seen it happen very quietly with, um, with the master turning everybody into himself and things like that. So I really liked the ninth Doctor's regeneration, going from nine to ten, and so I, I kind of wish they were all like that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It still has the 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 pyrokinetic, but it's not so much that it's just overblown. Right. Right. Yeah. I will say, let me say this about the regeneration. This is one of the ones that I like that they brought back these other companions to shoot the little sequences that they did that were companions that's something mirrored in what we see today. And while this was not in the actual 12th Doctor spoiler regeneration when he actually regenerated, this was in the what I'll call the pre-regeneration right before uh, the Christmas special where he stops the regeneration. But when he wakes up, he sees all these faces and then sees Missy, which Mm -hmm. is mirroring seeing all these faces and then seeing the Master. So I like how they connected those two sequences between the fifth doctor and the 12th doctor. I thought that was cool. Right. Yeah. I remember noting that at the time I thought, Ooh, this is like caves of Androzani. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of cool. Yeah. And, and of course there's a chorus of his friends saying, you know, you, you have to live, you have to live. And then the master on top of them going, no, die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so what was your first impression of seeing all of a sudden he sets up and does the change, my dear, and it is not a moment too soon. What did you think of that? Yeah, I, I thought it was cool. I mean, not a lot to go on other than seeing a new actor, but <laughs> but I thought he was very energetic from the jump. <laughs> and I always like energetic, so yeah. This is actually an impediment to me to the Sixth Doctor. I, I just remember the first time I saw Caves of Androzani, I was sitting there weeping, and then this uh, this guy sits up and he's uh, rude to Perry, and I just yeah. wanted to punch him in the face. And... Then we got to the next week where it gets worse. And I said, you know what? I'm done with this guy. I, <laughs> And so I didn't give him a chance way back when. I just hated him from the get-go. I don't know why, but I I always liked that you know vision of him sitting up and, and doing that because I thought it was such a drastic change mm, from the one yeah. you had before. That's you know, right. the, the other one was so mellow. And then he is so like, you know, it goes from... As Perry said, you were so not what was sweet. You, the other yeah. one was so sweet. And then this one was not sweet at all. No. So b- before we give our final rating, I'm curious if either of you 
had any other story points that you wanted to cover or notes that you wrote down that you want to cover before we do the final rating. Lee, why don't you take it first? I have a favorite scene and a favorite line. Oh, maybe sweet. two favorite lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Watching it again, and I, I don't I pretty sure I would not have said this before, but the thing that just gave me the biggest laugh this time or the biggest, I don't know, biggest sensation was Morgus pushing the president to his death and then <laughs> yeah. calmly and then calmly telling Timon that the president's committed suicide. I just the sheer gall <laughs> of that. And then, you know, you're waiting for karma to rebound on him. And then, you know, he calls Timon again for help. And she says, no, I've told everybody what you did. Now I'm in charge. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> so, he took that I, a little too calmly after you know, <laughs> the president gets thrown down his lift and right. Uh, call somebody to fix the lift. Didn't have him killed. I'm like what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. You, you got to be suspecting at that part that she's, Wheels are already turning in her head. She's, she's got to be. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Clarence, what about you? Oh, man, what do I start? I'll say that I liked how I guess they were using the androids uh, as kind of slave labor to to mine this. Um, what's the name of it again? Spectrox. Spectrox. Yeah, Spectrox that they were using to just live longer. So I feel like there was an element of a rich society or a different class of society that are using, I guess, androids. So I, I guess it doesn't matter as much as it being another um, section of the race uh, of the humans. Oh, but they're, they're how using can the, you as a fan of Picard say that? <laughs> well, we can say that now, <laughs> which reminds me of uh, there's this great episode of Voyager where the EMH uh, tries to free his fellow uh, holograms right, who are right. ac- actually mining dilithium. <laughs> That's right. It's, photons be free. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I love that um, complexity there. And then you have Morbus, B- Morgus being this. He's sort of Palpatine-ish, uh, mm-hmm. where he's kind of pulling levers, but you know, ultimately he's just as bad as um, our, our what we thought our main baddie was in. Um, wow, well, forgetting names. What's his name? Oh, sure, as Jack. Yeah, sure as Jack. Yeah, Jack. Wow, excuse me, I'm just brain freeze today. And uh, oh yeah, so that's one part. Another one thing I want to note to um, how different people lost their crap when he saw Jack's face and. Mm-hmm. I'm like, really? <laughs> yeah. Because you have the one, he may have been a captain, a sergeant, I don't know what his rank was, but he was fighting him and he was probably pretty much getting the upper hand on Jax, but he sees his face and he just like loses his crap and like gets locked out in the mud slide or whatever it's called. Yeah. So I thought, I thought that was funny as well. Um, other than that, um, I think that's the high points. I think that's the high points of, of what I Oh, another thing, Perry's uh, accent in this episode, her American abs- accent, I felt like it was worse. Uh, so it seemed like it just had gotten better better by the time we watched The Mark of the Ronnie. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it felt very Valley Girlish in this episode, at least in the beginning part of it. So, yeah, I, I that I that struck me, too, that she's she's still working on the accent here. And uh yeah, one admires the effort. I, I didn't know until reading this on IMDb, and you know, it wouldn't be on IMDb if it wasn't true. But <laughs> so, but she, uh, apparently, Nicola Bryant had full-blown pneumonia while she was filming this. Wow. So it's amazing she's standing up and walking and talking. 
But wow. it makes sense that she didn't have a lot of action going on in the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Oh, and I just got to point out, too, how Jex just fawns over Perry is the greatest. <laughs> he says yeah. lines in there. I wish I could remember. They were really good. He, he's a real poet. Yeah, that, that's that's I think that's the, the Phantom of the Opera touch. I mean, he's not only living underground with his face hidden and he's, you know, craving for a life of beauty. I mean, you know, <laughs> there's all of that. But yeah, all the beautiful things that he says to her. Yeah. Indeed, he gets mad. Uh, Morgus, why I ever trusted you, you fissonine bag of slime? Yes, this fissonine <laughs> bag of slime. Yes. Save <laughs> that for your... Yeah, nobody, nobody really talks like that. Oh, but you do, you do have to really appreciate the way the, the camera loves uh, Nicola O'Brien here, too, is that sometimes when he's holding her, sort of holding her up and saying, you know, how I've lived, you know, to see beauty like this again. Yeah, one of the things... To, to my mind, to appreciate here, uh, and it's just it's just a, a compliment to Nicola O'Brien, I think. But but the the the, the camera crew here is to be uh, commended as well. But these times where the camera focuses on her and Jack is talking about how he's dreamed of having this kind of beauty in his life again, and we get the you know the, a shot of her, and, and you know you, you got to say just as a sort of her face as a work of art. You, I think yeah. you really have to say yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I understand what you're saying here. Yeah. So um, and, and that maybe that not but that wouldn't work so well with with everybody. But uh, also, which might be apt in the midst of his isolation, you know? Oh, yeah. And yeah. on a human down there with those androids. Well, that's it. It's, he, he's not he's not going to settle for everybody. It's like, hey, woman. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what he gets really is this this angel. Yeah. yeah. So and, and you know you said about the camera crew and the angling and how everything looked. I don't usually pay attention to things like that. I'll be honest and say I don't usually pay attention to that. But mm. they did an amazing job in the scene leading up or the 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 few you know movements leading up right before she sees his face. It was very well shot in my opinion. It really kind of captured my attention where it's building up for her seeing him. And then he immediately runs and gets under the table and starts, you know, like basically bawling like a child. Yeah. 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 Uh, there's, there's a lot of scenes like that, that, that I noticed. And I always think about how big the floor cameras are that they use in shooting a show like this. It's really hard to move them in a hurry. And it's a, it's like a dance choreographing the cameras in addition to everything else. So yeah, like in the sequence you're describing, they've got to get in super close on her and over his shoulder and then pull way back in a hurry uh, so that we can follow him and, and keep her in focus in the background as well. It, it is, it's uh the, 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 those people don't get enough credit in my opinion. It's uh it's really hard to do great stuff. Well, speaking of great stuff, something that mm. was very reminiscent to me was I, loved totally completely loved the maps every time they showed the map <laughs> this is actually a video game that i was good at yes <laughs> i loved dick duck and i yeah. saw dick duck every time i saw those I'm maps afraid they the, the maps do look like dick duck they would they would not be practical in any way <laughs> as maps of an underground mine i yep I grew up around underground mines, and I've seen many maps of them, and they don't look like that. <laughs> well, I grew up around Dig Dug, Dig Dug and, yeah. and I did recognize that, and it made me want to go play Dig Dug again on my Atari 2600. That's right. 
Now you know what, what you're getting down there is Spectrox. Now I know that I really like those kind of games better than <laughs> what they make today. So yeah, there you go. So favorite line, favorite line of, for the dialogue in the show. Mm. I actually don't have one. Do either of you? I remember loving this when it happened. I mean, seriously, there's there's four episodes in this series, and aren't they four great cliffhangers? I mean, the Doctor and Perry are assassinated at the end of one of them. Assassin. And then we've got they are assassinated, and then we get to the the bat monster, and that's you know that's a guy in a suit. Uh, you know, we'll let that pass. And the fourth one, obviously. Uh, the the end of the fourth one, but the the third one ends with the doctor crashing his spaceship, and uh, yeah. and I just love the note this ends on because uh, the 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 guy is standing there with Stotts is there you know pointing his gun at the doctor, the doctor saying, well I may be dead soon anyway, so I don't know if that's much of a threat, but uh, he calls <laughs> but he calls him Stotsy, and he says Stotsy, we'll all be crashing down in a couple of minutes, no we'll all be touching down in a couple of minutes, or more likely crashing down. You see him a bit out of practice with the manual landing, so if I were you, I'd find something firm to hang on to. As we see the planet rocketing towards us. <laughs> yeah. And we go to the closing title. I'd find something firm to hang on to. But really, watching it again this time, uh, something I noticed that I'd never noticed before, uh, is Jack's last words. This may be my favorite line in the episode. Did you catch it? Mm, sure. As he's dying, he reaches out to the robot of Salatine and he says, Salatine, hold me. Yes, he does. He does. Yeah. That was very interesting. So, yeah, I'm looking at a transcript here, by the way, which is not a script, but, you know, it usually does uh, describe action. And it says that what happens at the, the TARDIS door is that um, he puts Perry down to get the key out of his pocket and nearly drops the vial of bat milk, spilling some of it. Ah, I still want to watch it again. But anyway, still, there's only enough for one. But, but still. And every yeah. time you say bat milk, I see the bat symbol. <laughs> Just FYI. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm seeing <laughs> this vial with bat, like shaped yeah. in a bat with yellow and all that good stuff. Oh, in, yeah. In 1966, Batman. Yeah. Uh, Robin would have been sat down every day to drink his bat milk <laughs> so, uh, with his bat breakfast. And his, yeah. All right. So, Clarence, any quote from you? Uh, yeah, it's going to be Jex again. Um, he makes the statement, I live so long with these caves, alone like an animal. Now I can feast my eyes on your delicacy and forget the pain and blackness in my mind. Wow. That's just him fawning over <laughs> Perry once again, but great line. Yeah. So my favorite quote would have to be, believe it or not, change, my dear. Change, my dear. And it <laughs> seems not a moment too soon. Yep. And, you know, I want to mention real quick about that. This is the first Doctor story where the Doctor actually gets to speak at the That's right. end. That's right. You know, the we new, the, see the that in the new ones, but but yeah. Yeah, there are a number of firsts here, and um, Colin Baker gets credited as the Doctor right after that. And then uh, Peter Davison's credit comes after his in the closing title. Interesting. So as of that moment, he is the star of the show. I mean, this is and Colin Baker as the doctor. Also, Peter Davison is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, gentlemen, I think it is time to give our final ratings. So, Clarence, final rating, one to five. What say ye? I'm going to give this episode four mud bust out of five. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. 
Mr. Shackelford, what say ye? I just can't find enough faults in it to, to not give it five vials of Spectrox Toxemia anti-desiccant. Mm. Say that five times fast. Exactly. That's why you say bat milk. <laughs> so I, because I bought this so many, many, many years ago, I'm going to give this five change, my dears, and not a moment too soon. <laughs> because I just thought it was cool. I mean, yeah. even before my obsession began in full force, I thought this episode was cool. So I'm going to give it's it cool. five. It's cool. Yeah. yeah. I love how ambitious the episode felt. I mean, I really felt that from the jump that they really went for it with this one. That, that's a that's a good word for it. I mean, we didn't usually see things like a, a cross section of an underground cave with the tiny figure of the doctor crawling down a tunnel. You know, that that's that's a kind of effect that really is really difficult to set up on the kind of resources they had. But they yeah. committed to do it and they did it. It's yeah. And I appreciated that, too, because it, it, it showed how difficult it was for the doctor to you know complete that journey to get the the bad milk so yeah. i appreciated that yeah you know i wonder if the reason that both of you are appreciating this i believe that whoever directed this episode i'm, I'm thinking that it was done differently than it had been done in the past this person directed more of a hands-on approach so much so hmm. That Davison went so far, I believe, to say that had more stories been directed like that, that he may have stayed on longer. Wow, that's that's right. Yeah, he he really loved working with Graham Harper. That that is, uh, I, I've read that as well. That uh, he really thought he was he should have directed all of Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, interesting. But yeah. it's interesting that you, you know, Clarence, that you said what you did because the directing has a lot to do with how the final product comes out yeah and and android Zoni does come from android and something else right That's yeah i keep trying to parse that out i mean I, one of the things i enjoy about robert holmes writing is that he loves language and he loves to play things like that so yeah it's 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 gonna it's gonna be suggestive of android something yeah um mm, maybe that there are two different planets and they're like two different zones Maybe so. Who knows? Yeah, that's pushing. He, he's he was very interested in languages of the East, though. So I bet that the Zani um, suffix means something in in Hindi, for example, or I don't know. Mm. I mean, he, I guess I guess it's him who who names this character Perpagilium for no reason than because it's cool, <laughs> and that we'll call her and we'll call her Perry for short, which is one of the ancient words for fairy. So she's a she's a fairy named Perry. Name Perry, and, and, and that'll and, turn up in the next episode. Yeah, hmm. and uh, and Ronnie, of course, is uh, Hindi for queen. Hmm. So, yeah. so maybe this was a little bit of t wibbly wobbly, timey wimey, going into a segue. Maybe they knew that some podcasters in the future were going to review the caves of Andrazani because in mm. the next episode for anyone listening we're going to be reviewing Time and the Rani Time of the Rani from Andrazani <laughs> to Time of the Rani I do like that I do I do and that says because Kyle's probably losing it at this point that means I need to say Lee Shackelford where else might you be found on the internet well, now, wait. The advice we have from the doctor is make jokes, especially bad ones. 
Oh, <laughs> then I'm then I'm good at that. She, she and she says she's good at it too. So yeah, but thank you. You're welcome. Um, but um, yeah, I've, I've got so many things going on right now. Uh, I, I really want to push people towards listen, rinse, repeat podcast.com or look for that on your uh, podcatcher as listen, rinse, repeat. And of course the relativity podcast, which is uh, kind of on hiatus right now, but uh, I do hope we'll be blazing back into your, uh, into your eardrums at some point in the near future. And uh, let me make a quick shout out since you made the mistake of asking me what else I'm doing and point you towards a podcast called corrections, survival of the fittest. You can read all about it at CorrectionsSurvival.com. This is an amazing audio drama serial that was that uh, is a project that I worked on with inmates at Donaldson Correctional Facility in Alabama. So this is uh, a show that um, I worked with these guys to create, written by the inmates in this prison and ultimately performed by the inmates in this prison. And uh, the story they tell is about the health issues that they face as incarcerated people. And this, we started this project years ago, but just this week, of course, they're in the news again, because that correctional facility is the mo- one of the most overcrowded in the country. And their message to the world right now is help. If we get COVID-19 in here, we're dead. Wow. That's and, sad. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we are. So, uh, corrections, survival.com or look for the podcast corrections survival of the fittest anyway so that's what's up with me what's up with you mr brown uh not, not much at all other than the uh fairy named perry that i want to marry um <laughs> i've just been chilling and try, <laughs> trying to stay busy while man, I'm, I'm bored to death <laughs> hang on i'm writing that down <laughs> <laughs> yeah Oh, <laughs> uh, no, but uh, I would just tell people if you're if you're bored and you need something to listen to that will keep you engaged and and that's fun and intriguing all the same. I'll just piggyback only and say, check out the Relativity podcast. It's good fun. And you'll hear some familiar voices in it as well. So definitely check that out. Mm. Not discussing Trek? Well, that too. You know, the season is over. Sure. People have moved on for now. Oh, but. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you said that it'll keep you engaged, I said, oh, that's good. Uh, uh, make it so. Make it so. <laughs> um, so, you know, I would say I would direct people to discussing comics, but since comic books really, 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 really are on a hiatus right now, <laughs> believe it or not, I can't believe that, yeah. but yes, yeah. they are. Since they are on a hiatus, and since we said, listen, rinse, repeat, and I'm going to steal the name that Lee gave her a couple of weeks ago, I'm going to say our friend and hero, Shannon Perry, who was the brainchild or one of the brainchild behind that. She also does this podcast you may have heard me talk about before. It's called Eyes Nine. So hmm. go check out Eyes Nine. It's fantastic. Just FYI. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Yeah. I'm sorry. You'll have to be assassined. Anyway, <laughs> but not before you come back for time in the running. Yes. And our 200th episode, which is about at this recording, about nine episodes, eight episodes, something about away. And then our Holy. 400th episode and all that. But you're still going to be assassinated. <laughs> but anyway, so with that, Holy everyone. jumping catfish. I did the hunt. We're, we're coming down on 200. We are coming down on 200, oh. believe it or not. Wow. Okay. Well, you were trying to sign off and I was. No, I just think that's cool. It is. It's amazing. 
And can I interject Far real quick on one thing that I forgot to mention sure. as another uh, parting gift? Uh, check out our friend Dave Cooper's, Dave AC's uh, new podcast, which he's 16 episodes in. He's doing it, doing it daily, but it's called Never Isolated, where he's talking about the findings of, of uh, the coronavirus, uh, mainly focusing on the UK, but he talks a little bit about everything and he does that daily. And I've been listening to that and enjoying it. So uh, shut up, Google. I've been, <laughs> I've been listening to that and I've been enjoying it and I definitely check it out. Uh, it is called Never Isolated and it's on all of the pod catchers, I believe. So yeah, check that out. Awesome. Awesome. And doesn't that just once again, you know, Dave's been a guest on this show, and of course we won't pod shot with him. That just again says Dave is an awesome, awesome human being. Indeed. Indeed. Yes. And, and you know what? I think that's the best way to end this episode. Dave Cooper is an awesome, awesome human being, and we will be back next time. Can't think of a better way to end it. You've been listening to The Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com.